podcast, Johnson. It's every other Monday's main event. Hello, welcome to Every Other Monday's main event. It is that time of year with the turkeys and eating and giving the thanks and all that bullshit. This is uh, going to be one of our post-election episodes, so... <laughs> Do we have something these... to be thankful for or not? Yeah. Yes, this is being recorded in mid-September, so we won't know, but whatever. If we sound more happy than we ought to, it's, that's because we were recorded two months from two months ago. <laughs> We're still living in a world with a sliver of hope. Yes. Anyway, so uh, as this is our for our last one before Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, traditional five-on-five Survivor Series matches. That's right. And so uh, my pick is going to be first. I am older, and I'm going to go with a, a choice that I used to rent a lot. I used to rent the 1987 Survivor Series on a regular basis from my local video store back in the day. And the opening match on that was a star-studded event of a five-on-five team, Randy Savage's team, which consisted of himself, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky Steamboat, Jim Duggan, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, and Brutus the Barber Beefcake against Honky Tonk Man's team. He had uh, on that team uh, the King Harley Race with the goofiest fucking crown, uh, the outlaw Ron Bass, Hercules, and for some reason Danny Davis, dangerous Danny Davis. But you also had Bobby the Brain Heenan and Jimmy Hart in their corner. Uh, so yeah, this is the, the first ever Survivor Series match. It was a big deal. They actually had it on Thanksgiving back then, which that was kind of crazy. I wish that I wish they still would. That would make uh, I'm not much of a Thanksgiving person. That would make me a Thanksgiving person. Give you a tradition. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know how long they did it. I think at least the first couple, like two or three, were on Thanksgiving, and then they switched it to us as the Sunday. That's right. Now, they, uh, they, for a while, they were doing the Sunday after, and now and now they just kind of do it whenever the fuck they feel like it. Uh, Monday in April. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monday morning, April. Uh, so uh, when you text me, when I assumed you were watching it, you were wondering, what'd you call the other uh, referee, Neanderthal, or yeah? All, all I could find out his name was John Bonello. Okay, and, yeah, he's a fucking just, Neanderthal. Yeah, he definitely had that like slovenly '80s look. Like in the '70s and '80s, people seemed to really care much less about. Their general appearance, like you said, that like when that like bedhead balding yeah. kind of thing going on. No fucks. He looked. He looked like he could. You know, be a. He might do things to kids, possibly. Oh, for sure. Okay, okay, that's not taking it too far. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't want to throw a false accusation at the man, but. But yes, uh, <laughs> you know, if if the shoe fits, man, I'm telling you. But and then we had it was it was Dave Hebner on the outside of the ring, not. Oh, not, it was Dave Hebner. Yeah, who who, who was it not? It was not uh, disgraced former e, former referee Earl Hebner, which I showed Bill the other day. That I've typed it so many times in my notes <laughs> yes. that now if I just write disgraced, it follows up with auto suggest of ref, former and then referee and then Earl and then Hebner. <laughs> nice. Actually, I read that he didn't Earl didn't start until 1988 refereeing. Oh, so there you go. The twin, the twin took over. Yes. So uh, I don't know if you noticed though. This this had my favorite uh, commentary duo. Of Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura. That's mine. That from from that era, that's 100% mine too. Oh yeah, perfection. I thought they played off each other so well. Oh. Um, I don't. 
it was a bunch. I didn't keep count, but how many times that uh, Gorilla Monsoon said, this is a happening. <laughs> Did you notice that? I didn't, but now I'm going to have yeah. to. Is that, is that a thing he does all the time? Um, I don't remember. Maybe, but because usually it's usually history either has been or will be made. So that was his big. And I don't think I don't recall any. Will you stop? So I think that might, that was more with Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Oh, will you stop? I will say um, <laughs> it was good. I, and I do. I, I, I love Gorilla Monsoon. I'm, I'm sad that I missed his entire career as a commentator. Um, I did not care for him calling uh, Brutus Beefcake Beefer. Yeah, I, I had that. Yeah, Beefer. <laughs> really bothered by that. <laughs> that ruined the whole match for me. Yeah, that was. I think he was trying to like force a uh, a nickname. I think later on they went with Brutai, which yeah, not great, also, but much better than. I also beef. don't love it, but yeah, it's so um. Oh, so did you watch the uh, the pre match interviews? Uh yes, I did. I liked. I mean, it's so over the top and cartoonish, but both teams were so like psyched about the whole thing. Yep. Like, and it was supreme. You know, the bad guys were all like they're all high fiving each other and. There was good unity, which is kind of surprising. You know, the bad guys usually keep to themselves unless they're, you know, have the same manager. But right. So that was a, a little different. Well, it also just furthered, you know, my belief that pro wrestling is the Muppets. It's just <laughs> seeing them all backstage is like no different than in like Muppets Take Manhattan when you're in like the talent agent's room and you know he's at the desk and then cut to what's in front of him and it's like six thousand Muppets in a room. Like. Yep. That's except, it right there. Except these are sweaty, muscular Muppets. That's right. Yelling. Um, There's just so many colors and I know, well, shades of about. skin. The, uh, the, the, the fashion. Just the amount of sequins alone. Yeah. I mean, Savage's capes are, are top-notch. Absolutely. But uh, Honky Tonk Man had his, his jumpsuit, but then he had uh, like Jimmy Hart. The, I don't know if you noticed, he had the airbrushed suit coat. Oh, yeah, always. It's my favorite. Yeah. And um, I think it was, I'm pretty sure Jake the Snake, I think the snakes on his trunks were velvet. It looked velvety. God, I love it I, so much. And then, of course, Brutus Beefcake's pants. Those, like, uh, fish fishnet with the zebra stripe. Yeah, that was uh, sexual. It, it was, and he had the matching gloves, too. Very uh, good. And, yeah. And then he had, for some reason, the bow tie, just just for the walk down the <laughs> ring. When I was a kid, I was always concerned he'd come down with the hedge clippers. I was always like afraid that he would catch like a fan's hand in those. Oh man. It never happened that I know of, but I no, was always sad concerned. That it didn't. Now you would have been grossed up by it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so on to the match though. It's you know, it's classic eighties standard fare. Yeah. Um you know, good it's good so back and fun. forth. Oh, oh definitely fun. Um I was actually surprised Duggan was wearing black shorts. He was always I always remember him in, in blue trunks. Yeah, always the blue. I don't know, but maybe this is maybe before he got that standard look going. But Everyone I, I was fucking going like I feel like uh, Hacksaw was like the most beloved out of every wrestler in this match. Like they were going ape shit for him. Oh, he did. Yeah, he could. He was always like super popular. Like it didn't matter. All he had to do was yell "Ho" or "USA." It works. It was disappointing because I think he only he was only technically in the match for like ten seconds before getting hammered out. Yeah, he and he and uh, Harley Race got a double DQ. I think Harley Race was looking pretty old at this point. Yeah, and I looked it up. Guess how old he was? Uh, I'm going to say 52. He was a year older than you. He was only 44? Yeah. God. He looked like shit. Unless my math is bad, but I'm. I, it was... Um, what was this? Do you still have it? This was 87. Yep. 
And he was born in 43. Oh, uh, yeah. So 47, 47, 44. Oh, I mean, 44, yeah. Wow. No, my God. He didn't look so good. Say, like, cause I thought the same thing. I was like, I was like, he, man, he's on the end. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like my, my friend William is 43 and he looks great. Thanks. Uh, I don't mean it. Oh, yeah. Maybe if I dyed my hair and got a perm and then put on <laughs> a couple hundred pounds. Uh, it shaved 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they had, they had the, the countdown. I, I think pretty much everyone's supposed to have a rivalry with each other, and they had one. I don't know what the, to what degree it was, but I was disappointed that the uh, two by four didn't come into play. I was hoping for that. I know. I, I have to assume what they were doing there was because he was uh, he was still King Harley Race, so he was still riding the King of the Ring. I would imagine is that what was happening. I I honestly don't even know if they had the King of the Ring back then. Oh. Maybe. I don't know the history that far back. They, there was an event for it that I think like a tournament style that Savage won at one point, but I don't know if it was a regular thing that you became the king as part of your routine after that. I do remember, because I also watched it regularly and I had it on pay-per-view and taped it, was at uh, the 89 Royal Rumble. There was a match between Harley Race and King Haku to see who was the actual king. I don't know how Haku... Oh, could try to claim being a king, but it was weird because they were both bad guys fighting each other, which was strange at the time. And Keenan managed both of them too, so it was weird. It's a, uh, so it says right here that Harley Race was the second ever King of the Ring, oh, and he won right. it in 1986 in Foxborough, Massachusetts, our backyard. Oh, well, there you go. Does it say who he beat? Pedro Morales. Oh, okay. You should do an image search for Pedro Morales' forehead. <laughs> Just uh, what you think of that. Okay. Pedro Morales forehead. Actually, I'm, you know what? I could be thinking of someone else. Dusty Rhodes. No, Carlos Colon. Actually, look up Carlos Colon. He had. Oh a, my God. Yeah, his forehead was wrecked. Oh God. Right. Oh, I have to leave. <laughs> So yeah, they, they 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 keep it relatively short. It's like a twenty minute match. Yes, yeah, so they had the count out, and then Ron Bass shortly after gets pinned by just a, a high knee from uh, Bruce Beefcake. That was an impressive uh, knee for a guy like Beefcake. Who I always thought was kind of shit. Yeah, he, he was actually he was decent in the uh, the mid to late eighties. Before he got like way too bloated. Yeah, and way before he went to WCW. But I liked how after uh, Beefcake pinned Ron Bass. Hercules tried to come in to break it up, and he ended up elbow-dropping Ron Bass. Oh, know? yeah. That was a nice little touch. I liked but, it. But then um, I know there was some interference by Dangerous Danny Davis where he like, gave him like a knee to the back, and Honky Tonk Man was able to hit his shake, rattle, and roll on him. Of course. Which now is just a standard move, which wouldn't destroy, wouldn't like Do finish anything. anyone. Yeah, yeah, but back then, that was enough. But then that we had was like a, a kind of like a signature move for Road Dog back in uh, the New Age Outlaws days. So it went from went from a finishing move to kind of like a signature move to now just like standard opening match offense. Yep. R.I.P. to that. Now you had a uh, we had you know a bit of like a not a break but Jake the Snake Roberts he took some took some uh, offense from the bad guys for a while if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But then uh Danny. I'm surprised Dan Davis wasn't the first to go also in this match, considering he was really a referee. I was going to say, he was a total nothing, right? Oh, he was dangerous. That's very true. He's from Dover, New Hampshire. His attire was strange. He seemed like he was a fit gentleman, but he wore like long sleeve and long pants. 
My my wife was actually asking me like if he had like a circus gimmick because he just had on like these kind of like long stripes on his pants like he was some kind of fucking acrobat or some shit. Well, black and white for the referee, I get that, but oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, but yeah, this uh, long sleeve white shirt sounds not good. It would have been it could have been a lot worse. You could have had, like a turtleneck. Oh, if you had a turtleneck. Oh my god. Oh goodness. I hate turtlenecks. Um, yeah, but then I'm really glad because. Uh, not everyone got their finisher in this one, but Roberts did an awesome short clothesline. That was that's like the best setup for a, fin- a finishing move, I think. Is that his short clothesline? Oh my god, yeah. And then the DDT, and he pinned him. Uh, but then we had the the classic insensitive uh, line from Girl Monsoon because Hercules came in and attacked Jake the Snake Roberts right after that pin. With he said Pearl Harbor oh, job. There he goes. He always, always saying it. Oh. So that was it. Was it was the time. It was the time. It was unfortunate. That's what that's what they'll tell you. That's not me excusing. Yeah. But at this point, too, I made a note that, uh, and I've said this before about Jesse Ventura, you know, because uh, uh, Savage will keep coming in illegally either to attack, try to get to Honky Tonk Man, or just, you know, coming in wasn't what he wasn't supposed to, make, making things tougher for his, his teammates. And Ventura, you know, pointed out, like, you should stop doing that. That's a, that's a dumb move. Yeah. That's the thing. It's Vin- Ventura, you know, He's, he's obviously roots for the bad guys, but at the same time, he makes... And I think he even conceded to a point that I figured it was a Gorilla Monsoon made. He's like, I'll give you that one. Yeah. So... He was he was diplomatic, you know? He was he was a little, uh, you know, he was he was an asshole. He had an attitude, but he, he wasn't afraid to admit he was wrong, usually. Yeah. And he, could, he, he pointed out things that made total sense. Especially... Um, we'll get to it later, but, like, especially in Hulk Hogan matches. And, like, obviously, he's, he's supposed to play the part of not liking Hogan, but... Yeah, he would he would uh, point out things that Hogan was clearly doing wrong, and oh, Roberts. Oh, this is where he takes us to steam meeting, and he tags in the steamboat. Who I gotta say, looking back, I know he was very talented, but like in in this setting, he seemed to have like three moves. Yeah, he was very underutilized because I mean, I would probably argue that you know he was probably the most talented, just pure wrestler in that entire match. Yeah, um, you know, maybe equal to to Savage there, but. He was, yeah, he was like barely in it. I was kind of bummed out because I, I enjoy Ricky. Yes. And he just, what is always just like some chops and an occasional kick. Yeah. I do like that when he get thrown to the top rope, how he would bring himself back in. That was like one of his like signature things. He was, just, he was slick. He was. Slick. He was still doing that at, uh, uh, we will definitely have to do that match at some point. He, he wrestled Chris Jericho a couple times in 2008. Oh, uh, even as an older man, he was still doing shit like that. It was unbelievable. Oh, good for him. Yeah. I was going to say Slick Rick Steamboat. That should have been his name. <laughs> so they, uh, what happens? They, oh, yeah, Hercules gets beat up by a, a Steamboat, and then Savage gets to hit the elbow drop. That's right. Make everyone happy. That. Now, I think I, when going back to our first episode, I, I mentioned my favorite wrestlers, and I think I, glaring error, I left Savage out of that. So I got to take someone out and put Savage in there. Please do. No, Take I mean, he, yeah, like I've said before, like you know, a lot of times when I go back to watch wrestling from before I was watching wrestling, um, you know, it's 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 hard to get into not all of it, but some of it um, because just, you know, I, I, I feel like I have to have been alive at the time, not alive, but watching at the time right. um, to kind of, you know, get that full sensation like um, but Savage is one of those guys that it, you know, he's timeless. Like I can go back and watch any Savage match and be like, God damn, that man was, uh, you know, I, I, I see why he, everyone was obsessed with him. 
Yes, and you're aware that he would usually meticulously plan out all his matches ahead of time with his opponent. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a perfectionist, and it always paid off. I also love that we always had the the classic three star trunks, three stars uh, in his trunks, looking good, and saying Macho Man on his ass. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so we hear Hercules is pinned, and then he just Honky Tonk Man just gets destroyed for a few minutes before he bails. He just bails. <laughs> just fucking coward. Well, that's that was that was part, part of the reason why he was Intercontinental Champion for so long because he would. He would purposely get counted out, or he just vacate the ring because he was a cowardly heel. Smart guy. I always thought it was hilarious. He had the guitar, and he would like even like when he would like pantomime play. It was terrible. <laughs> he couldn't even he couldn't even do that good. Oh, well, he's a honky tonk man. Yeah, but at the end of the match, Drill Monsoon yelled, "What a happening!" <laughs> so it was a happening, according to Drill Monsoon. Him. I love him. Yeah, lost him. But it was yeah. You got the good guys winning. You had three survivors. You had two of my all-time favorites in there, Survivor and Jake the Snake and, uh, and Randy Savage. They set a strong precedent. That's the first ever Survivor Series match. It was star-studded, and it was uh, it was it's, just a lot of fun. Everyone was, like, super high energy, too. Like, yeah. everyone seems, like, who knows, but they all seemed, like, genuinely all about it. it could've, they could have been, like, cocaine for all I know, because it was 1987, but... I'm sure there was some cocaine in the mix, but I'm sure part of yeah. it was soon. It's like, hey, we're part of history. That's the first ever. I mean, there's a strong chance, obviously, they didn't know that it would become a annual tradition that's still around to this day, but it was... Um, it was, it was a happening. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was a happening. It was a happening. So that was mine. Oh, I also want to point out how Jesse Ventura, I don't know if you watched the very beginning when they, they introduced Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura to come out. Oh, yeah, I did see that. I was happy to see that. If Ventura had the pilgrim hat on. <laughs> I love that him. Nice, that was a nice touch. Okay. I love my love my Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. So now on to yours. So I picked uh, one of the most legendary Survivor Series matches of all time. This is Survivor Series 2001. And it was uh, basically the conclusion of the WCW-ECW invasion storyline that happened after uh, Shane McMahon bought WCW, and then Paul Heyman showed up with ECW, and then Stephanie turned. And then before you know it, there there was a full-on explosion. And this was the end. This was it. This This has gone on too long. You guys are fucking around. Team WWF versus Team Alliance for full, total control of the World Wrestling Federation. And uh, this was, was star started. It, it truly was. I mean, this was it. This was all the top guys. And it was um, so Team WWF consisted of Undertaker, uh, American Badass at the time, Kane, The Big Show, Christopher Jericho, and The Rock. <laughs> and Team Alliance consisted of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bob Van Dam, Booker T, Kurt Angle, and Shane McMahon. Um, now, so must, of course, yeah, gonna I'm ask, sure you're going to say what I'm going to say. What do you got? Well, Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. They were on the, the bad guy's side. What do you think I was going to say? Yeah. Um, well, no, I thought you were going to point out the fact that uh, for a team consisting of WCW and ECW guys, only two of them ever performed in the other companies. Well, let's it see. Was, uh, well, Booker, three of them actually, but Booker T. And who else was on the team? I already forget. Jesus, I have it in front of me here. Uh, Rob Van Dam. Oh right. Well, I know in in the the rivalry era because Steve Austin did he did wrestle for WCW a long time before. And That's, ECW. So he's the only one that actually was in oh, both. Right, right, right. But then Shane McMahon, I guess, because he bought the company. Yeah. But I noticed Stone Cold had different music. 
Yeah, so one thing that's unfortunate about the WWE Network is that they don't have the rights to... Um, they Well, they didn't pay the money for the rights to some of the licensed music that they used. Um, so at this time, Stone Cold's theme song was by Disturbed. And um, they uh, didn't want to pony up the dough for streaming rights to a lot of the music. I mean, like if I know you probably saw it, like going back to some of the ECW stuff, like they, um, you know, they just don't want. Oh, definitely. Even in my match, my choice earlier, the music for up until Randy Savage came out, it was something that they overdubbed. That's right. They had um, and they had to have Howard Finkel over overdub the announcement, like you know, probably. What was a thirty oh, you know, thirty years later or something like that? Yep. To uh, <laughs> to to make up for losing that audio, it's very awkward, and most of the time it doesn't really bother me. But this match in particular, it really bothered me. Not so much for Stone Cold, but for the video package beforehand. Um, oh, I didn't watch the video package beforehand. So the the video package that they did, uh, and this is just this is what WWE does to me. They make me like the worst fucking music because um that video package had the song control by puddle of mud who are just a notoriously garbage band but man when i hear that song i am taken back to being you know 15 years old and watching all of this unfold and um and and so they you know they put like the most generic song without lyrics over it so it's like really really awkward i, w- I would actually suggest watching it just to see how uncomfortable it is um, cause like all the punch is taken out of what <laughs> beforehand was like this epic video package, like just truly like, um, you know, it, it, it carried the weight of it, even though you would never think puddle of mud could put weight into something, but it worked for the time. Um, but for the most part, I mean, people were really dissatisfied with this entire invasion angle leading up to this because, um, basically all the top WCW stars, they were either locked in contracts uh, that were connected to Turner, so they couldn't perform on WWE, or they just didn't want to. Um, so you know, a lot yeah, of their I've read stars, that. They said they just like sat out and got paid, right? Yeah. So you know, someone like Goldberg, uh, he didn't show up for another year or two, um, and he was one of their top guys. Or even you know, Hogan, Nash, and Hall, as, as the NWO guys, like. Same with them. So, like, all of these guys were sitting it out. And so Booker T was really the only major, major name from WCW. And everyone else that came over were, you know, pretty much duds for the most part. Um, I mean, I don't want to say duds, but... Yeah. Like, it was, like... Not the same level. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, they didn't... So, basically, they... Over time, you could see that this alliance just was top... WWF guys like it was yeah. <laughs> Austin and Angle and you know and even by that point like RVD had already kind of established himself in Booker T so it was like uh, Robin Dim was getting cheered quite heavily I noticed too oh yeah his uh his entire um run I mean they were because uh, that was part of it too was you had all this fan support people that watched all wrestling that was really excited to kind of see all of these worlds collide and ultimately became you know kind of a Vince McMahon vanity project in a sense yeah. um, just him sucking his own dick which and again I don't mind that I loved this whole storyline I loved everything about it um, and you know I was fully invested in it but I, I understand why a lot of people were like wow this was a huge huge fuck up on on their part yes um 
but as a match itself, you know, as kind of this, you know, basically season finale kind of a match, it was, uh, it was explosive and it was fun and it was 45 minutes. I'm yeah, sorry about that. No, I, I, I'll get to it at the end. I felt they could have like trimmed a little bit of the, when it was down to two on two. Yeah. Short that a bit. I thought, but, um, I was going to say something I've forgotten now. Oh yes. When Kurt Angle comes out and he's on the same side as, uh, Shane McMahon, I noticed in his uh, entrance video, is Shane McMahon going through the glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that shows how, uh, you know, how how fleeting rivalries and alliances are in pro wrestling. Because, uh, yeah, and we covered that match on this show, and uh, this is only, what, May to November, so six months between that. And uh, There's plenty know, of time to, 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 to make amends, I guess, for yeah. greater good. That's all it takes in wrestling. Now, uh, also, they mentioned it. Uh, it was a Jim Ross and Paul, Paul Heyman, like, arguing. Yeah. No, it was pretty good. Uh, uh, there were parts that made me laugh, especially when Jim Ross just told him to kiss, kiss his ass, which I thought yeah. was great. It's beautiful. But um, Big Show, repla- like Vince McMahon was supposed to be in the match, they say, and yeah, Big Show replace him. That's right, yeah. I think I, I don't know if Vince was actually injured or if they just wanted to give that spot to... Uh, you know, a full-time wrestler or, or what have you, but um, at the same time, you think that um, like Big Show and then Chris Jericho were they became known in WCW. They could have very easily been on the other side of things, right? Yeah, there's essentially an almost equal amount of Alliance alumni on that side because because yeah. uh, Jericho was also an ECW guy. That's true. Yeah. And um, I believe Undertaker did a very, very brief stint in WCW, like before even like Nitro was around, like late Nothing 80s, early note. 90s. Yeah. So they're technically basically all the same shit. Yes. And but, then why uh, was why was the Rock WCW champion? Um, because because of the acquisition, um, all their titles were brought in as well. Okay. So uh, so the WCW title was basically on the same show as the WWF title. And The Rock had that championship. And um, later on in that year, Chris Jericho would go on to beat Stone Cold and The Rock on the same night to become the very first unified WWF champion, combining both titles and making it one world title. Oh. Like That's Jericho's big claim to fame that he talks about. That's what we're so. talking about, yeah. Yeah. Being high-caliber men. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, so there there was a lot of that going on, and a lot of just you know, like you had said, there was a lot of just pure star power. I mean, the match starts with Rock and Austin, who earlier in the year WrestleMania headlined it, in, in what a lot of people think is uh, among the best WrestleMania main events of all time. And uh, it's just, I mean, it, it, it that's that's a big way to start. That's a huge way to kick things off, and it was just really just the whole time. It was just the crowd was buzzing the entire time they never really let up it was just one thing after another no it was and um especially i liked when uh jericho and rvd were going at it they were they had good chemistry i thought i mean they were the yes. smallest fastest guys in there too which helped yeah they had um they had quite a few run-ins over the years even i want to say like 2013 they had a match on raw and it was wonderful like they're just two guys that just kind of really get each other and complement each other well Yes, and um, I also noticed that Booker T had said it on his on his ass. It said Booker T, but it was in a Metallica font. Of so course. that was interesting. He likes rock and roll music. All right, good for him. 
Hopefully, it's anything by anything up until Black Album. Oh, you're going for the hog tie again. Right, Still trying. Yeah, we're going for the other one now. There we go. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I just, I, I'd love to see you just start going off your bed and you just don't think to let go. So you just take it. You just fall like that. <laughs> it's on video, so that would be yeah, perfect. Um, like but uh, and at one point, you had uh, Kurt Angle give a back suplex to Kane. That's impressive. Oh, absolutely. Angle's a powerful guy. Yeah. And one thing, it was actually even annoying me, you know, and, was when Shane kept on interfering. Yeah, that the was... The amount was God. absurd. He's such a... Well, and that made it all the more satisfying when he finally got eliminated. Well, because he got destroyed. He got, like, what, four finishers? Three or four yeah, finishers? He, he took them from everyone to Big Show, I believe. No. Big Show was out at the time, so... No, yeah, yeah, because Big Show, they took about first. He, did, he, was, he wasn't in the match very long. He has, like, like a half a minute of, like, domination, and then he takes four finishers. Yeah, no, well, I think that's why it was, um, yeah, I, I think that was kind of their way to kind of introduce desperation early on. Be like, hey, we just took out your biggest guy, yep. even though you have two other gigantic guys. But it's like, well, that was probably, you probably thought that was your ace in the hole. He's gone now. We saw this little fucking shitty asshole who's too <laughs> small to get caught breaking up pinfalls. But not so fast. Because he, so yeah, he, I mean, like, he's, he's next to go. Yeah, and it was interesting because Taker hit him with a tombstone. and. I believe I could be wrong, um, but I believe that was the first time he had done the tombstone in a long time because when he came back as the American badass, he had the last ride as a finisher. Oh yeah. Um, so he wasn't really doing the tombstone to kind of distance himself from the goth character, uh, but Shane was worthy of it that night. Quite the honor. That's right. But I. Well, there was just there was a I mean there was a lot going on. There's it, it was a, it's a 45 minute match, so it's tough to keep full track of uh, all the action and everything else that was going on. Well, yeah, I have a note that the Robin hit a really nice five-star frog, frog splash on Kane. But they didn't get the pin there, but they, like a big brawl ensued, and he was able to. It seems strange, it was like a awkward, like top rope kind of kick to the head that that did him in. Yeah, that didn't seem like a finisher. That something that would take out a large, scary man. That was he caught him off guard. That was that was uh, the power Bob Van Dam. They actually they went on to become tag team champions, and Rob Van Dam ended up being the reason Kane took his mask off. Oh, whoops! A lot of future history there. But it was it was interesting when uh, when Jericho and RVD were fighting at one point. Um, the camera operator happened to be in Jericho's face, like right as he was calling a spot to RVD. And Jr. Oh. trying his very best goes, oh, yeah. uh, Jericho talking to himself there is. Yep. Uh... <laughs> I remember that. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, you tried, Jr. Good, good, good effort. That's you good know cover. that's the job of the commentator. Undertaker, he he did it. He had a, a fun time, just like attacking, like dominating four people at once. Oh, when he was doing the clotheslines, one to the like hitting each corner. each corner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he did it in this match, but have you ever seen? Or rather, listened to the Undertaker when he has a guy in the corner and he's hitting him with a bunch of fast punches to the gut. I don't know what happens. He, I don't know why he does it, but he goes go 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 go. Oh. So nope. as he's punching that, every punch is, is a goo. So he's going go 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 go. go. It's fucking like, weird as hell. G O O. G O O. Yeah. Goo. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll look for that. Find a match for the for the show where he does that, please. I absolutely will. That was my. Oh, I I, I laugh. Like an asshole every time. We're like, why make that? Like, that's so goofy. Yeah, goofy. Yeah. <laughs> Taker got a stunner and he got pinned by Angle. Yeah. So, kind of surprised to see him not be there at the end. Well, again, but, it was, I think it was another example of, like, you know, that 
evil team just kind of using everything in their arsenal to make sure that they're, you know, taking a guy out whenever the opportunity arrives. And the guy like Taker, again, you got you to gotta think smart to take him out. And that's exactly what they did. Now, if I'm not mistaken, JR, did he call him Booger Red at one point in this match? Yes, he called him that for quite a while. Booger. Booger like, Red. Picking it why? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, he was kind of a, he was a redhead naturally, I think. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, like when he was, you know, in the, in the early days, he was a little ginger boy. <laughs> he was, yes. Oh, just okay. I thought I would make sure I wasn't hearing things. No, no, yeah, that was uh, it was uh, a lot of fans calling that to this day because of Jr. Thanks, Jr. Good work. Yeah, then the uh, the Rockets roll up on Booker T. He's out of there. That's right. Uh, there's a what's this? What's the spinning thing he did? Spinneroony. Okay, that's yeah. He did that. I would love to be able to do a spinneroony. Oh my god, his music! I remember that from WCW, and I thought it was dated then. Oh, it's so fucking good. <laughs> you do it's dance to it. So, oh my god! Well, in in 2011, I uh, I went to the Royal Rumble in Boston, and um, he showed up there, and uh, that, that was his first time in WWE in like three years, and. God damn, that song hit and I lost my mind. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so is, are you down to two one? No. Oh Robin Dims. He gets he he goes next. Yeah, Jericho takes him out. How do you I don't know how do you pin him? I don't remember. It was very sudden. I I have a note that it happened out of nowhere, so I don't exactly remember what happened. I just remember being like, Oh, okay, R V D's gone. Like I looked away for half a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then, but, uh, yeah, this, so it came down to Austin and Angle uh, going uh, up against uh, Jericho and The Rock. This is where I thought they they it started getting a little uh little dull. Yeah, my up. taste. There were there were a couple looks like uh, little mistakes. They were like, trying to do something and then they couldn't pull off what they wanted to. Happened yeah, with Jericho just, and Austin and then yeah. So that at that point I was a little like hmm, just a little bit. But then uh, eventually the rock gets angled to, to tap out to a sharpshooter, which seems unusual. Yes. Well, they were, uh, of course, playing into the history of uh, the sharpshooter at Survivor Series. and Oh, yes. Uh, the, rock, the rock did do the sharpshooter. It was part of his arsenal, but I think that might be the only time anyone's ever tapped to it. And it doesn't seem like Kurt Angle should be the guy to do it. No, certainly not. Although... Well, it, Later in the match, maybe there was a reason why. Because it just put Austin against two people, right? Right. And so now, and w- which is, um, uh, again, interesting because that's you know usually the um, the odds are supposed to be like stacked, but it basically it came down to Rock and Austin. Yes. Uh, how did how did Jericho go out? Uh, Austin just hit. I think Austin just hit him with a stunner and took him out. Okay. Oh, and he was he was mad. He was very upset. Yes, it, right. Which caused Jericho to turn on the Rock. But it wasn't. He was like wasn't turning on his team per se, because they kept they kept like heavily mentioning how the Rock and Jericho were having issues. Yes. Yeah. He was mad at him anyway. So he was just like, "All right, well, go fuck yourself." Yeah, because Undertaker came out and didn't attack him. Just like, "What are you doing, man?" <laughs> he just gave him a look and he's like, "All right, all right, never mind." Yeah. Yeah. But but I, I don't remember when like Austin was bleeding heavily from his mouth. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. I think Jericho did it. Oh, okay. But it, it was funny you know, again because it, it just sort of embodies the sort of criticism towards the storyline, which was 
you know, WWF versus WCW and ECW came down to like WWF's main event feud from the last like three or four years at that point. It was like all of WWF versus WCW boils down to hmm. The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's like, all right, these guys have headlined sense. two WrestleManias up to that point. <laughs> Oh, well. What are you going to do? But yeah. disgraced former referee Earl Hebner is in this yeah. match. And, uh, he was stopped by um, disgraced former WCW referee Nick Patrick. And, uh, I remember so him. A, yeah, they had a little... There was a referee feud going on during that storyline as well, and it was awful. Um, because dumb. you had all these guys that aren't wrestlers fighting each other. Probably safe. Yeah. Uh, but so they played into that feud just a little bit, paid tribute to that. And... Um, it was, you know, kind of just back and forth between Rock and Austin, and then Rock went for a rock bottom on Neil, uh, Nick Patrick. On Neil Patrick Harris? Neil, pa- Neil Patrick Harris was in the <laughs> match. He was a special guest ref. Um, Austin stopped it, and he hit uh, the Rock with a rock bottom, but the Rock made it out. And then uh, Stone Cold got mad at Nick Patrick for not giving him the victory, brings back disgraced former referee Ola Hebner, and then... Um, uh, Austin just he hits he hits a stunner, but Earl I, Hebner got knocked down. I love how the Rock takes a stunner. Oh, like a champ every time. <laughs> he just goes flies halfway across the ring. Yeah, rolls back on his neck. Yeah. And um, but yeah, then Angle shows up and nails Austin, uh, and so he ends up you know turning and Rock hits the rock bottom and they win. Everything's safe. Everything's happy. Everyone's okay now. Heyman's a pissed off. But I, I thought, and then McMahon comes out. I noticed he's celebrating at the top of the ramp. Yeah. But it's funny, he takes off his jacket and slams it down. It wouldn't be funny if he just kept disrobing until he was naked. <laughs> it was so funny because one of, the, one of the things I noticed with this match that I will, it made me remember is that anytime over the course of WWF history that um, Vince McMahon was a good guy, he would always do, he would always dress the way he did in this, which is like just having the top couple buttons of his shirt unbuttoned. Yeah, it's like that's how I become relatable. That's how I become an everyman. I just unbutton <laughs> a couple buttons on my top. No tie. I love it. Love Vince McMahon so much. He's a horrible person. I love everything about him. <laughs> well, is it his the character he portrays on TV as opposed to the real life man? I don't know the real life yeah. man. I kind of love him too because <laughs> he's a psychopath. Well, well he's, he's done things right. All the things he's willing to do for his business. That's right. He also wrestled Kofi Kingston on an airplane. Oh, I, who won? Uh, Kofi let him win. Really? Like, they were they, they, this. This wasn't televised or anything. This was just they were on the corporate plane, and Vince was fucking bored and talking to Kofi about how he Kofi used to be an amateur wrestler. And Vince oh. was like, "I could take you." And so, in you know, thirty thousand feet in the air, Vince and Kofi went at it. That sounds safe. Hey, they're still alive, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, it would have been funny if one of them gave the other one a pile driver out of the airplane all the way to the ground. <laughs> a 30,000-foot pile driver. I can imagine what the head looks like. <laughs> the, both of them would be a hamburger. Paste. Ugh. But yeah, that's so that's the uh, the other one. The other Survivor Series match. 87 and 01, baby. So if, if you listen to this before Thanksgiving, you're Hopefully you're definitely listen to it again on Thanksgiving, making it part of your uh, tradi- traditional holiday festivities. Absolutely. There's only like six podcasts out there. So please. And, and, and I'm on four of them. Yeah. 
Survivor Series, though. I hope everyone enjoys Survivor Series 2020 live from the WWE Thunderdome. Uh, This is September, so no fucking clue what's going to be on that card, but uh, hopefully some good shit. All right, then. So until next time. Bye, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Yay. (laughs) 